0: Welcome to Whole Mother. This is KPFT Houston, 90.1 FM, HD1. I'm your host, Pat Jones. This is Houston's community station. Whole Mother is a voice in our community which educates and informs us. There are many decisions to be made out there as a mother, father, grandparent, aunt, uncle, neighbor, birthing person, friend mother believes that we need to always make our choices out of rational thinking, choices that are made through education and research, not out of fear, especially fear that is imposed by those who stand to gain by our choices. It is hoped that the education you receive on this show will contribute to changing the way we birth and the way we parent. All humans are born good. I've seen more than 3,000 babies come into the world, and I can tell you, there are no bad babies. There are no bad humans. All babies are born exactly the same in their goodness, their innocence, their curiosity, their brilliance, their ability to love and to trust. They're all born with the same delight in the world, the same happiness. It doesn't matter what country they're born in or what skin color they have or what language they're learning to speak, or how much money is in their family. We are all born with the same goodness. We all come into the world with the same potential. If that's true, that all humans are born without hate, judgment, shame, jealousy, then where do we learn those qualities if we're not born with them? Oh, Mother is here to look at our parenting, which begins in the very first moment of birth, probably conception. If we want to live in a peaceful world, don't we need to begin life in a peaceful world? If we want to teach our children peace, love, harmony, respect, then don't we need to give that first? Remember that KPFT is listener-sponsored, and you are the listeners. That means we're not funded or sponsored by anyone but you, and we need your help to stay on the air. I see that KPFT cannot continue to air this program while others are fundraising to keep us on the air. We need to do our part. I've been told that we need $1,400 every quarter in order to stay, to, in order to pay for our show, the whole Mother Show. So I'm asking if you would help to keep the show on the air by contributing anything you can, especially on a regular basis, so we can bring you the information and the education that's for you the truths about parenting, about birthing, the best information I can find. Please go to kpft.org or call 713-526-5738 and tip or donate or pledge or join, contribute anything you can. Raising human beings is the hardest and the most important job we have in the world. Parents need support and love and correct information to do this incredibly hard job of raising humans. So again, I'm asking so that Whole Mother can put out information out there, give you education, please help us keep Whole Mother on the air. We need your financial support to do that. So tonight, I have probably one of my most favorite people in the whole world that I have talked her into uh, educating you about what she does on this show, Whole Mother. Debbie Hull began learning about birth in 1996 after the birth of her first baby, which is a whole very interesting story. She's been serving Houston area families as a childbirth educator and a labor doula since 1999. She's certified with Kappa, and we're going to ask her what those letters stand for as a new parent educator, as a labor doula, as a childbirth educator. And she's also on the Kappa faculty for both labor doula and childbirth educator, which means she teaches other people, other women, how to become a labor doulas and doulas. Debbie has been privileged to attend several hundred births in homes, birth centers, hospitals, and on one occasion, (laughs) a grocery store parking lot. Maybe we'll hear more about that too tonight. (laughs) She believes that it is the most precious and sacred of honors to be invited to care for a family during their childbearing season. And she's very proud To have the opportunity to speak into the work of the next generation of birth professionals. Her work has taken her places she never expected to go, including being a talk radio guest host on this show, Whole Mother Show. Uh, She has been on this show for, as a guest host, 10 years.
1: That's a long time, probably longer than that.
0: I thought so. Maybe closer to 15. A long time. Maybe, so you, yeah. you can hear some of the shows that she has hosted on our website, wholemothershow.com. And she's a wonderful host. Debbie also portrayed Julian in all of the Houston productions of Karen Brody's play, Birth. Uh, I, I wouldn't do the play unless she decided she would uh, take the role of Julian again. Uh, it was a little bit I held her hostage, I think. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, I'd, I would go to her and say, I'd really like to do this play again, but I only want to do it if you promise you'll do Julian again. So I, I really coerced her into doing that. and But she did a wonderful job. She was the best Julian (laughs) in that play and and made it what it was. Uh, But she says that she only did it with the fingerprints of her beloved midwife friend all over her back. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) (laughs) They say that um, the birth sounds she made there on the stage in front of hundreds of people sounded real. It did sound real, very real. Um, Debbie designed and developed the curriculum for an innovative, interactive childbirth class and offers classes that even the dads say they really enjoyed. Her minor in training and development and experience as an American Sign Language Interpreting Mentorship Program Manager perfectly prepared her for mentoring doulas and childbirth educators. She believes that we learn best when we are laughing. So her training is designed to be enjoyable and memorable. It should be noted that there have also been tears in training when groups dive deep into the emotional side of birth work, which is healing. Debbie is most proud to be the mother of two amazing, formerly breastfed, formerly homeschooled young adults, the youngest of whom has been on a 21-year nursing strike. I hate it when they do that. (laughs) When she's not working on her feelings about that, Debbie enjoys movies, reading game nights, and even when she loses. It's such an honor to have you, Debbie. Thank you so much for being on whole mother and, and doing this show with me because I want everyone to hear. I want this audience to hear about what it is, what doulas do and, and, what we need to know about a doula. So let's start by, tell us your journey, a little more about your journey to becoming a doula. What brought you to that?
1: Thank you for having me, Pat. And it must be said that most of the things I have done, all those things you talked about, I really have done with your fingerprints on my back. (laughs) Um, But in the most loving way, Um, it's an honor to be here. You've grown me in ways I never thought I would grow. I didn't know it was possible to grow. And and I'm grateful. I'm I'm quite certain that you're at least fifty percent responsible for helping me raise my children to adulthood. And you know they're not axe murders or anything. They're wonderful people. And They and are I, indeed. Yes. You, you should have some credit for that. I was so doulas. You know, I first learned about doulas, and you'll remember these days in an I can meeting, and it was way back when we met in the office of a local obstetrician who was supportive of. Natural birth. He supported all the midwives in town and we met in his office. And that's actually where I met you. You came and did a slideshow. You had a slide projector with a carousel of slides. <clears throat> and so I actually met you there. And then we had Polly Perez, who is the woman who wrote the first book about being a doula and is a um, an internationally known Doula um and doula educator. Um Polly used to live here in Katy, just outside of Houston. And she came to an ICANN meeting and talked about what a doula was. I'd never even really heard the word, I think, maybe except mentioned at ICANN, International Caesarean Awareness Network meetings. And Polly brought copies of her book, Special Women, and she told us all about what she did and all about what doulas do. And I was so excited. I bought a copy of her book and I raced home to show it to my husband. We're going to get a doula. We are we have a baby. We're going to get a doula. And I just remember his little face fell. Aww. He was like, but what about me? He didn't really understand what it was going to be to have a doula. And he was fearful that it meant that he wouldn't get to be, that he was being pushed out of the way. Um, so I always have to tell this story. Sally Head was my doula. Sally was, um, it's just an, it has still had an amazing impact on the community. And she was my doula and then trained me. We'll talk about that. But um, she, I had a really long labor with my second and I was sitting on a birth ball in the shower, having contractions every four minutes, uh, screaming at my husband to vacuum up the Cheerios from my two-year-old that were on the floor, because (laughs) I was absolutely convinced that the baby wouldn't come out if there were Cheerios on the floor. (laughs) And so you know, it was hollering him to get that done. And when Sally Ardula got there, he, I hadn't seen her yet. She had a long drive to her house. Maybe she was in the other bathroom. I don't know. But he came into the bathroom and said to me, Whatever we paid her, she's worth every dime. <laughs> she hadn't done, she had not done a thing. All she'd done was walk in the door. Um, But she took the pressure off of him. I mean, in looking back, I did at our first birth and to an extent at our second birth, I did something that I see a lot of other women do. We expect so much of our men, um, of our partners, particularly men, partners that are same-sex partners as well. But I think it's especially true for men because men are at a gender disadvantage about birth. Um, I taught childbirth classes for years, probably I don't know, 12, 13, 14 years before I finally figured out that the men who were coming to my classes did not know that a vaginal exam is the same thing as a cervical exam. It's the same thing as a pelvic exam. It's the same thing as an internal exam. And when we get to labor, they don't say any of that. They say, we're going to check her. We're going to check you. Uh, That all those things mean the same thing. But it took me a long, long time to figure out that men didn't know that. So That was what happened when when our little walked into our house, she took all that pressure off of my husband and after we labored for a long time, and it was time, uh, it was time to transport I had ruptured membranes it had been several days and it was just time. And so we were transporting to the hospital. Um, I was worried about our two year old and what do I need to put in this bag to take with me. But our doula was standing back and watching everything. And she came to me and said, you need to tell him that this is what needs to happen because he doesn't want to take you there. And he's scared. And in that moment, I truly did not have the bandwidth to be worried about what he was thinking or feeling. But she noticed it and brought it to my attention so that we could stop and say, yeah, this this is horrible. Neither one of us wanted to do it, but it's what we need to do now. And that moment was really important for both of us. So um, after that experience with the doula, uh, we, we had, we actually had two doulas at our second birth. Uh, Sally brought someone she was training with her. And so I had these two doulas, one that I paid and one who she says that coming to my birth was a gift to her, but it was really a gift to me. Um, and, you know, so I got to watch them work together and, and just be cared for by them. Um, so after that birth, I was involved with ICANN International Cesarean Awareness Network and kind of became leader of the local group. And so I would help moms who were planning VBACs, vaginal births after cesarean, or even first and wanting to avoid a cesarean. And there was this one woman, I helped her find a doctor and I helped her write her birth plan and um, just worked with her a great deal. And she said, I want you to be my doula. And I said, oh, no, <laughs> you're mistaken. What you really want is Sally. You really need Sally to be your doula. So she called Sally um, and then she called me back and said, yeah, I talked to Sally, but I want you. Um, So I told her, let me think about it. And I called Sally and said, I'm not ready. I don't know. I'm not ready. And Sally said, you're ready. And so that was the first birth that I attended as a doula. I attended before that birth. I attended a couple of births with friends. Um, They both, both of those friends had doulas at their birth. So I got to watch their doulas work. Um, And so off I went to be this woman's doula she had her baby at the hospital in our community that has traditionally has the highest C-section rate. Mm -hmm. And we walked in there and she had her baby, her V back probably about 30 minutes after we got there. I mean, it was her baby just fell out. And after the, after the baby fell out, uh, she, we were in recovery and the hospital, that hospital used to have a policy for, um, taking the baby away for several hours after the baby was born. But so the baby wasn't with her. It was just she and I in the room, her husband had gone with the baby and she hops out of the bed and she's doing lunges. She's like stretching and warming up. And <laughs> this nurse came in and just about had a stroke. Cause she was, you know, out of the bed up and moving. And it was just an amazing experience. Um, it was a little bit of a, a whirlwind. It was you know, my first birth in a hospital and it was my first uh, as a doula. And it was, um, my first birth as a doula, but what I learned there is that, um, I got to make a difference. It, it felt good that I, that I, I knew that I made a little difference in this woman's life. And I liked the way that felt. And I liked, um, the idea of my children seeing me do something that makes a difference in the world that felt important to me. And I had the inspiration of a lovely, lovely midwife, my midwife. Um, you did such an amazing job of inspiring me always. And uh, so I thought, okay, so let's, let's do this. So I talked to Sally and said, okay, maybe I'm, maybe I'm a little bit ready. I'm not sure, but maybe. And so she took me on some births with her. Um, I went on some births with Sally. Those were very interesting Um learned a lot just from watching her work uh and so I apprenticed with her to become a doula after um, I went on several births with her I started attending births on my own and when I got in trouble she was always there to call at 2 a.m when I I just needed an idea or you know wasn't you know I've tried all these things and I'm out of ideas um she was there to help me with that um and it and so that's how I became a doula it went from there um I wanted to do something more formal. I'm a really big fan of formal, I don't know, the letters and the certifications and the credentials. And so I certified um, through a different organization than Kappa to um, become a certified childbirth educator uh, because I had a background in training and development and the doing the work of doula and doing the classes just fit real nicely for me. Um, Yeah. And I found out that I liked it.
0: Even though you, uh, sometimes were gone for three or four days at a time, didn't get anything to eat, didn't have sleep, uh, and you like it.
1: Yes. I mean, the, every, every birth is different. That's the thing that. I- Uh, I always ask on the first day of my childbirth classes, what have you learned about pregnancy, labor, birth, babies? That's surprising. And that the thing that's still surprising to me is that there are universalities about every labor. You can can listen to somebody on the phone and tell them sort of where they are in their labor. That's kind of universal. But also that every woman I've ever watched go through labor finds her way through in her own way so that every birth is both the same and different. That's interesting to me. And Mm -hmm. so sometimes they're harder than others. And sometimes you get... You know what we call those butter births, where the baby just falls out, and that's just such a real treat. And um, and then other times it's long and hard.
0: Sometimes, yes, it it's, is. Uh, it's such a uh, it's a miracle, uh, and it's such a momentous event in a, a woman, parents, dad's life, and to be a part of that, I think, is pretty astounding to watch that a woman find her power, uh, as a, as a woman and as a mother and to see a dad become a dad. Um, it's pretty amazing. It is amazing. And it never for, I'm always struck by it. So there, there have
1: been, you know, more than one time where I'm just exhausted and I'm on my way to a birth and you know, maybe we've been up for a couple of nights and, and I'm just thinking, man, I just don't know if I'm going to have what I need to get through this. But then you yeah. get there and you, you watch this woman digging deep and finding places inside her. She didn't even know were there. Yeah. And you watch this man who is watching her um, and you see him growing while he's watching her. And it, it calls me to I don't just watching the process cause me to a higher level of energy. It calls me to be present. And it, it, it also, um, I was gonna say equips me to be present. I'm not sure that's the right word, but it, it gives me the juice or energy or something that I need yes. to be present the way you ought to be present. Yes. It's always amazing to me that because every, not everybody, but most everybody I've done a birth with the uh, 99% are people that I didn't know before they called me and said, Hey, we're looking for a doula. And we spend some time talking and answer the questions, and then they say, "Yes, we want you, a perfect stranger, to come into our lives at this sacred moment yes. where we're going to become parents and uh, and we're not we're walking. I would see it as we're walking not only into their birth, I see us walking into their marriage as well. Where do you see that that we're walking oh, yes. into marriage? Absolutely.
0: Among- and into their life as a uh, either a new parent or a third or fourth time parent, you know it's a momentous occasion in their lives that we're present for.
1: It, it is a ama- it's a it's an amazing and astounding honor to be offered to yes. attend the birth of uh, w- w- people who start out as perfect strangers and then to be invited into the intimacy and sacredness of that space and to bear witness to to their becoming. And I mean, and that's the piece we, we bear witness to this momentous occasion and then we move on. I mean, and we see these people occasionally, I still get um, Christmas cards. I got a Christmas card year old from one of my doula babies. Who's 18 and she's getting ready to go off to college Mm -hmm. and her sister who's 16. And um, you know, I still get Christmas cards from these people. Um, It's an incredible kind of a connection and it's sacred. Yes. Yes.
0: I, I have some pictures that I still carry around of uh, families and the children that I was present for. It's, it is. It's very sacred. Well, uh, tell the audience a little more about what a doula, what do doulas do? What the, do they not do? And also, what's the difference between what a doula does and a midwife? I would
1: say that's the the most common question I get. So what do you do? I'm a doula. I had to spell it once for a police officer on my way to a birth. I was going too fast. And so you do what? What do you do? Yeah, doula. Um, You mean like a midwife? No, no, not
0: like a midwife. Um, I've held, I just, I don't want to interrupt you, but I've held the phone up to the officer so he could hear the woman screaming. (laughs) (laughs) That's an effective technique. It it worked really well because, you know, he he heard that and he got it and he said, go right on, ma'am. Be careful. That's
1: fabulous. I don't know if you remember many years ago, Pat, but you got stopped. You and I were at a birth and we were transporting and you got stopped. On the transport, you it was for like something, something like a, a headlight that. or a blinker yeah. or something. And I said to the officer, "She's a midwife and she's on the way to her birth." And the officer said, "Keep driving." And I'm like, "Yeah, okay, <laughs> I'm getting out of the way, officer. I'm getting out of the way." Um, <laughs> Uh, so uh, midwives and doulas are not the same midwives are more analogous to OBs than they are to doulas in that they're responsible for maternal and fetal well-being they're monitoring fetal and maternal well-being um and taking care of not only the clinical but emotional side of things more than the typical OB truly does but their their roles are the same in that way that they're responsible for the clinical health and well-being of babies and moms um A doula does physical and emotional support for families, primarily, of course, for the person who's pushing out a baby. I always ask at the end of, uh, you know, when I'm uh, processing how we're going to manage their Labor Day with clients, I always ask, you know, what else do you need or expect from me? And I did have one dad say, you said you'd rub her back. Could you maybe rub mine too? (laughs) You know, (laughs) Well, I don't know. We'll see if we can work in a back rub for you, but she is pushing out the baby. so. Um, So that's my sole responsibility at birth is the, Um, Comfort measures. um, A lot of the work that I do as a doula comes before we even go into labor Um, in terms of processing what's going on with a client emotionally from previous birth trauma. I do a a lot of that. Um, I just did a birth with a mom. It was the second birth I'd done with her. Um, She had uh, uh, her first baby was a C-section and I did her second baby with her. And she wanted a VBAC, but there was lots of trauma from that first birth. So I did what my sweet midwife taught me to do, make a writer birth story down and just listen. Um, and so I did that. And we processed a lot of that and just talked about the places where it was hard and what was the feeling and got some of that stuff out. And for for that labor, her first VBAC, it was kind of long and hard. Well, she just had her second VBAC. And I think we got to the birth center, maybe a half hour before the baby just, you know, (laughs) crawled out that it was just the smoothest birth. And she tells me that that is because of the work that she did around that first birth. And while midwives are often, 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 not all midwives, but most, I would say are available for that kind of processing. I do not know. I've not ever heard of an obstetrician who is. Available for that kind of processing, so it's about processing that kind of thing. It's about helping couples as they're putting together what they want their birth to look like. Um, I find that there's often a lot of, um, and I don't even know how to say it diplomatically, so I'm just going to say it: issues around moms, his mom, her mom, one of them. Uh, Somebody wants to be at the birth, and this mother would, you know, rather bleed red American blood than have her mother-in-law there. She would just really rather not. So we can talk about boundary setting and how to do to do that diplomatically and how roles that we can give to people who aren't going to be in the room at your birth, but that still make them feel close and involved. Um, and sometimes just processing with women that they have the right to do that is is very empowering yes of course you can say no yes of course you can say yes you you get to be in charge here and so helping them navigate those kinds of things there have been times where i've had couples who've worked together who just needed a little help getting on the same page about what they were planning maybe he couldn't understand why this feedback was so important to her um and he needed to sort of understand why we couldn't just do another c-section because it was really great for him Okay, so so maybe we're not really hearing each other here. So that kind of emotional processing, but also more practical help, like, where should I have my baby? What you know, is the, this OB is saying, um, here's one of my favorites, a woman who called and said she found this OB, um, who was going to do a VBAC for her. And it was in a part of town where I know there really aren't a lot of OBs who do that, because usually I hear about them, if they're, if they're being really truly VBAC supportive, I'd have heard about them. Um she called me and said oh yeah he's great he said he would do it and so i said so here's what you should ask you should ask about his back rate so how many vbacks has he attempted and how many were successful you know what's his vback success rate she called the office and called me back and said he has a 100% vback success rate i'm like well well that's remarkable that's something I haven't really heard of anybody, haven't. Why don't you call back and find out how many VBACs he's done? One, he'd done one. Oh my
0: goodness.
1: Yes, he'd done one. So 100% VBAC success rate. So then we could process what that might mean and what that might say about her birth and what other options there might be for her. Um, So it's about all those sort of prenatal things. But also it's, most people picture what we do on, you know, Labor Day. So part of the prep is about, when do you call? When are you going in? I'm discussing with care providers when the care provider expects that for them to come in and how long they want to labor at home and figuring that out. Um, a doula often, except for home births, a doula is the only member of the birth team that's going to come out to the house. So I go to people's house and labor with them. Um, I have been to births where that early labor comes and it feels like it's so hard and oh my gosh, I don't have to get through People are, I always think of it as labor algebra. She's doing the math in her head. How many days can she keep doing? You know, she's been doing it for 17 hours. How many days till the baby comes out? And so I can come in and kind of work with her a little bit and just teach her how to sleep between contractions Mm -hmm. so that she can fall asleep. Seven minutes later, when another contraction comes, she can lay there and manage that and then go right back to sleep. And sometimes if I can do that for just a couple of hours, it gets this family a few hours of sleep. I can go home and get some sleep for when it really comes, but that buys this family a little more time. And... It gives this family or this particular this woman a little more preparation um, and a little bit of a a perspective about we're not there yet. This is early and the work is likely to get harder. But look how well you can do this when you just decide to do it. Um, So it's about that. And going from. From-
0: I, I, I'm sorry, I just wanted to say that all that work, all that processing, all that that you are describing here is so very, very necessary to avoid having disappointment, uh, feelings of uh, I didn't do it right or uh, uh, so many uh, feelings and uh let down that people could have if they didn't do that preparation if they didn't have that process that you're talking about
1: I would agree I would say that's especially true for it's true for everybody but in some special way for moms planning VBACs where there's previous birth trauma about getting that out of the way um I always tell people that my my goal my only goal as a doula my only agenda is that people don't look back on their birth with regret Yes. that you get to make the choice in the moment. And you have to accept that you made this choice in the moment. But you're making it with all the oper- I don't know, alternatives in front of you, you can have all that. So that's what labor looks like about, you know, maybe, maybe we've got a labor that's not really progressing the way we would expect. And the first the go to in any hospital is always, well, let's just start some Pitocin and get this going. So, Um, I can say to a mom, look, I know you really like sitting on the bed, and I know it's really hard for you to get up and move around. But do you want to consider getting up and moving around, even though it's hard? Or do you are you ready for the Pitocin? So you know, here's what your options are. And do you want to ask your care provider if we can have just an hour or two to get you up and moving? And I know it's hard. And I know you don't want to do it. But we're going to be right here. And we're going to support you through it. And I believe you can do it. I I believe you're doing it. Let's just get up and make it come a little quicker.
0: And you don't want uh, to look back and wish that you had.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I mean, and sometimes things don't go the way we want, even if you do everything right. I mean, there's been more than one one woman that I've been with that checked all the boxes. We would recommend, chose a supportive care provider, you know, chose a good birthplace, did all the prep work, wrote a lovely little birth plan, labored beautifully. And for some reason, it just didn't go the way she wanted but there's power in looking back and saying, I did all the things. There's, there's real power in that. And I think that it, 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 we live less with regret, you know, in that kind of um, I don't know the, the angst that you're talking about.
0: Yes, that's right. And that's so important. Um, Are are there, I, I think you've said most everything I can think of, but are there any other advantages for hiring a doula? And the other question is Uh, Which I think you've kind of answered, does the doula take the father's place or other members of the family take the place? So uh,
1: there are lots of advantages. We have lots of data about doulas. The Cochrane database actually has actually done systematic reviews, and ACOG, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, actually endorses doulas for lowering the C-section rate, which is actually quite high in our country now. Um, the data tells us that uh, just a, it tells us several things, but the things the ones that I find most intriguing are that. Ha- women who have a doula compared to women who don't have a doula have shorter labors by 25%. Uh, Fewer requests for epidurals by 60%. Epidural rates are lowered by 60%. Um, Mm -hmm. And the C-section rate is 50% lower. Um, Women do a better job of breastfeeding. They initiate breastfeeding more and breastfeed longer. They have lower incidence of postpartum depression. And here's one that is almost more important than anything else, that we have babies with fewer problems. That babies spend less time in the NICU when there's a doula involved as compared to when there's not. Um, And as far as replacing dads, um, I just have to say that, you know, my husband was so worried about Sally coming in and t- taking him out. But uh, back in the days when my babies were born, we didn't have cell phones quite yet. Not everybody had cell phones quite yet. So we were still t- call on landlines and our landline would ring. And 20 minutes later, my husband would say, hey, it's for you. It's Sally. Um, so, I mean, he still has a thing for her. Um, oh. So I always tell that story at birth fair when Sally does our panels at birth fair about doulas, <laughs> because he's, he just came to love her in a way that um, <clears throat> he didn't. he couldn't see what's coming. So it's my goal at a birth to never, ever, ever get between a wife and her husband or partner. Never, ever, ever. It's always my goal to make them feel like they did it on their own. Um, to offer guidance and direction Um, I ask partners can I do that listen can do you do I have your permission to offer guidance and direction and usually it's something simple like you know he's rubbing up and down on her arm and saying just relax and she just wants to throat punch him so I can reach over and put my hand on his hand and say you know that's that's you know slower or softer (laughs) or don't move during a contraction at all Um, sometimes it happens that uh, that her partner pushes on her back right during contractions and I push on her back wrong. And that's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. So then he's responsible for all the pushing on her back. And then I can take care of all the logistical things. I can make sure they're both getting water. I can fetch a snack for him, I can make position recommendations, and and he just has to do all the pushing, and I get to spell him. Sometimes it's exactly the opposite that I push on his back, her back, right, and he pushes on her back wrong. And then that's just the way it is. Then it's, you know, me looking at somebody's husband and saying, if you would just go on the inside pocket of my bag, you're going to find a, a fan or whatever thing it is that we're looking for. Um, the data also tells us that women who have doulas, report being happier, not only with themselves after their birth, but also with their partners
0: yeah, and with sense. their babies. It makes perfect and I sense. Think it's
1: because he gets to just relax and be yes. hers. He just gets to, he doesn't have to remember what do we do for back labor. And he doesn't have to be concerned about the contraction pattern. He can just be present with her.
0: The other thought that occurs to me right here is that she gets her needs met and she doesn't have to be mad at him for not getting her needs met.
1: Absolutely. And I, I Because there's that universality thing that goes on about labors, um, I kind of know what's coming next. So I can make him look like the hero if, you know, if I hand him a fan and say, she's going to be hot in a minute, -er." (laughs) fanner. And, and, you know, he gets to be her hero. He didn't even know he was going to do it. But that's what I like to do at a birth to help
0: him be her hero. That's really lovely. So um, how does someone find a doula and what should they look for? So a simple
1: Google search will give you all kinds of matches for doulas. I think that it's my opinion that the best way to find a doula is word of mouth. Um, That talking to others, what doula did they use? What did they like? What didn't they like? Um, When interviewing a doula, and I do recommend that you set up a time to interview. Uh, It's such a personal and intimate thing that we do. It's important that you feel some kind of gelling when you're going to work with people, ask about training, ask about experience. Although I will say that, having a, a very experienced d- doula has the advantage of working with someone who's seen several hundred births and may have one more tool in their bag about you know what to do about this or they may have encountered this particular situation before having a newer doula who doesn't have as busy a uh, practice also has advantages because they only have you on their calendar this month so all their time can be available for you and they have hours and days to process things. So there, there are advantages in both ways, but you're going to want to ask about training and background. You're, I would ask really hard questions about what if there's a, a disagreement between what my care provider is recommending and what you think should happen? How would you manage that? Um, how would you manage it if um, I make a choice that's different from the one I told you? I mean, and the, the, one, the obvious one is I'm telling you now I don't want an epidural, but halfway through labor, I'm going to think, oh, my gosh, go – drag an anesthesiologist in here and make them give me an epidural find out if the doula has a plan for that for out of hospital births, find out if the doula has a plan for when you go okay i think i can't do it let's go to the hospital and get an epidural um here's one of my favorite stories A a mom who did just that we had long 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 labor um And she was sitting on the toilet and I was sitting on the bathtub and she was telling me, I think that's it. I think I have to go in and get an epidural now. And I I didn't even remember this moment, but probably a year and a half later, I was at her uh, midwife's birth center doing a little talk on VBACs. And she raised her hand like in the middle of my talk and said, do you remember what you said to me in my labor? And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh what did I say to her during her- <laughs> and it was that moment that's fine I think I need to go to the hospital and what I said to her was okay so you want to put clothes on and you want to put shoes on your feet and you want to walk out to the car and you want to sit in the car and put a seatbelt on and you want to stop for red lights on the way to the hospital and then when we get there what are they going to do for you And, uh, you know, she got, she did what every woman at home who says (laughs) that got a little mad about it and got over and had her baby very shortly after. Um, So you want to know that you've got a a doula who has a plan for that kind of thing. Um, And one of the things that I think is most important to look for is a doula who most of the time, and I think most doulas are capable of providing warm fuzzies. We can rub your backside and tell you you're doing great. We can give you a sip of water and a cool cloth for your forehead. But a good doula is also not afraid to say the hard things to you. A good doula is not afraid to tell you exactly where you are, even if you don't want to hear it. Um, and the best example I have of that was, again, at that really long birth that I had, um, I'd been awake for days and all I wanted was an epidural so I could sleep. And when we got there, of course, they wanted to give me Pitocin. And I started to cry and said, I just I just need the epidural before I get the Pitocin. And um, one of my doulas got in my face and said to me very calmly, Debbie, if you don't let them give you Pitocin now, they're going to cut you. And that was harsh, but it was also true. And so I said, Pitocin, please, because I needed someone to tell me in that moment.
0: Yes.
1: Even when it's hard, you need to hear the truth. Yes. Those are the important things to ask for, I think.
0: Very good. Well, well, tell us what Kappa uh, uh, does and what you do for them. Uh, And what does Kappa mean? Kappa is Childbirth and Postpartum
1: Professional Association. It is an organization that was begun uh, back in the 90s, and they train, Kappa trains several different kinds of. People around the perinatal year. So, not only labor doulas, but also postpartum doulas, also childbirth educators and lactation educators. They recently, just the past couple of years, Kappa started offering new parent educator, which is different from childbirth educator. New parent educator is not only about sort of baby 101 diapering, um, swaddling. How to you know dress them, um, but also safe sleep options, and what I think is hugely important: um, helping couples manage that time where they move from being a couple to becoming parents and having to adjust their lives, and how to maintain their relationship and their own mental health through that. Um, That's all part of that that program. They also train postpartum doulas as well, so sort of everything around the perinatal year. I am. I worked as an uncertified doula for many years. There is no standard around certification in our country, but I do think it's coming. Um, You don't have to be certified. You don't have to have any kind of training. You can just hang out a shingle and call yourself a doula. Um, We're starting to see there are now four or five states that are mandating insurance coverage for doulas um, and TRICARE, which is the... Uh, military insurance, just began covering doulas last year. So we're seeing it growing. And as we're seeing that insurance coverage growing, um, certification standards are becoming more standardized, they're becoming they're starting to require a little bit more and um, accepting certification only from specific organizations to my knowledge cap is on all the lists. So far. Um, I train childbirth educators and labor doulas for Kappa. And you said something when you were introducing me that I have to go back to. You said that I train women to be doulas and childbirth educators, but we also train men. I've trained three or four men to be childbirth educators. Now I haven't had a man in labor doula training yet, um, but I'm looking forward to having it. We just had Kappa just had a conference back in November, uh, no October up in uh, Niagara Falls. And they had, uh, one of the more famous of the male doulas in our country, he calls himself a doodla, which I just think is hilarious. Um, uh, he came and was one of the speakers there. It is becoming a thing for men to offer labor support. And there are even some people who offer labor support as couples. So a husband and a wife come in and doula a couple through labor. Wow. So I could see advantages around that. It was... Um, It was a little bit of a shock to my system when men started, just like when men started to become midwives, you know, it was a little, a little hard to get our heads around, but uh, we do, we do train both men and women. Very good. (laughs) Yes. For all those things, for a topic, lactation educator and postpartum doulas and labor doulas many, many years ago at a local hospital here, there was, um, he is the only postpartum male nurse I'd ever seen. You just don't see them very often. I, I've still never seen a male labor and delivery nurse, um, but he was a postpartum uh, nurse for mom and baby. And he came in and helped this mom with breastfeeding. And I am telling you, he had it going on. He knew what he was <laughs> doing. His his wife had three children. She'd breastfed them all. And so he he really did know where of he spoke. Um, times are changing. Yes. Yeah,
0: I think that's, I'm really pleased about that.
1: I am too. I, I th- like I said, I think there's um, there's a lot to be said about that and um, a- advantages that I can see around that.
0: Yes. Well, I, I think the audience has probably figured out a little of this, but what's hard about being a doula?
1: So it's interesting that you asked that. Um, I would say that I get too we talk about this and when I'm training doulas, we talk about it um, just because most of the time, the work that we do is about, you know, rainbows and light and new babies and, um, and new mamas. And so losing babies can be hard. Losing moms can be hard. And we have a baby that's born sick or moms that have complications. Um, that can be hard. And I do think that we, um, we grieve that and internalize it and keep it with us. If we aren't processing it as doulas, we can keep it with us for a long time. Um, the, the babies that, that I've been with who didn't make it. I mean, I'll never forget them. They're, I think about them every year. Um, so there's, there's that piece, especially when we come to the work because we love women and we love babies and expect rainbows and light. Um, the, some of the practical aspects that are, um, are hard. Um, the the two that I hear the most one is on call child care especially if you have small children that having somebody that you can come over in the middle of the night and be with your babies when you have to leave um, and then the other is just that being on call being on call is hard um, I just brought a young doula with me on a birth and um, kind of mentor her a little bit and she was asking me about being on call and she said that Uh, I mean, in our conversation, it came up how families are when they're, you know, 39, they're 40 weeks, they're 41 weeks, and it feels like they're going to be pregnant forever. And this baby's never, ever going to be born Um, as it's not our baby. So it's not the same. But there is that still that anticipation when a birth is coming and, okay, I really need to, you know, weed this yard or reorganize this closet or cook this roast. Do I have time to do that? What what if somebody's going to go into labor in the middle of that, in the middle of while I'm doing that? So managing that, I think, for most people is probably the hardest. It's 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 a lifestyle. There's a whole lot of you have to do a lot of acceptance. You have to do a whole lot of um, just. uh giving yourself permission to, you know, get started on something. And if the roast gets ruined, then the roast gets ruined. I mean, you know, whatever thing it is, um, looking back, the thing that, and I'm trying to pass it on to younger doulas. I wish that I had been better about boundary setting with clients around some things. Um, I've gotten much better about it in recent years, but the work that we do, and I'm sure you can attest to this, Pat, because your boys were young when you were midwifing. Um, it's hard on our families what we do that your mother walks out the door and you don't know if she's going to be back at the end of the day or in five days. You just don't know when she's coming back. And um, I I do think that was really hard on my children. And I wish I'd set more boundaries around my personal time. I actually watched you do that a lot. And um, as I've gotten older, I've gotten better at it. So I I love to hear from my clients about what happened at their, you know, they went to their midwife or their doctor visit, and I want to be updated about that, but I don't want to be updated about it around at 2 (laughs) a.m. And I don't want to be updated about it, even on the weekend. I'm really protective of weekends and evening times. We can talk about that during regular business hours, if there's something emergent. Um, So I'm really encouraging young doulas to set those boundaries, that it's okay, and not only okay, but also healthy and necessary for our own mental health um, and taking care of ourselves. Very Childbirth educator is a little, uh, is a really nice way for people to sort of get their feet wet around birth work because you have total control of your schedule, You Mm -hmm. schedule classes when you want to do them. And, um, so if, if teaching is something that's interesting to people, that's a a nice way to sort of start off in the birth world, but still have a little control over schedule when you have a nursing baby or toddlers in the house or young kids. Mm -hmm.
0: Is there any other advice you might have uh, for uh, out there for young women or, or men who are thinking that they really like to be a doula uh, and don't know what to do first?
1: I, so first, I would say find a doula and talk to him and find out what the, you know, what's the market like where you're living and um, and what's it really like to be a doula. There are books written about that. Get a hold of some of the books and read uh, those first person stories so that, you can get a feel for, yeah, I, I I can do that. I still want to do that. And I and then my next thing would be to, I would say to get certified. And again, I worked as an uncertified dude for years and years, but I do see the day coming when we aren't going to be able to work if we're not certified. Uh, when pandemic hit, that was one of the first things that we saw. Um, doulas were uh, not permitted in most birthplaces at the height of pandemic, but when things started to ease up, only certified doulas were permitted to come in. Um, one of the reasons that happened is that families started saying, Yeah, I'm coming in with her because I'm her doula, but it was really her sister or grandmother or cousin. So I now carry copies of my certification with me so that if I'm asked for credentials, I can provide them. And I and I like I said, I do think the day's coming that with that and what's going on with insurance, there is a day, and it's not too far away from us when you're gonna need to be certified to work. And then choosing certification organization, there are, you can go to a one day training and spend one day, you know, in somebody's living room being trained, and they can give you a piece of paper, and you're certified, there are no standards around certifying bodies. But I would encourage people to look at the longevity of the program, you know, how long has it been around, I, it's my personal bias that training from an organization has some advantages advantages for credentialing rather than just Debbie is going to certify me. Um, that's why I liked working with CAPA because um, the, the entire faculty pours into the curriculums for, uh, for each of the programs. Each of the curriculums are rewritten every three years um, so that they're current and staying up to date um, and evidence-based. We're not doing uh, work around you know, what we think is the right thing to do. We're looking at the data that we have um, that can, can guide decision-making for families that we're educating or the families that we're working with. So I'd say, I'd say looking at those things, it was important to me to that my credentials mean something, that the standards are high, not only for membership, but also for faculty. And so that's why I went with the organization that I went with. CAP is not the only one, there are others, but I would just encourage people to look carefully at, again, longevity and what their standards are. Um, The organization that I originally certified with to be a childbirth educator, um, I knew that it wasn't going to work for me when uh, every you have to recertify every few years, and so I started sending in blank paper to them. I would just send like ty- a little stack of typing paper with a paper clip on it and my check, and they would recertify me. I wasn't oh, doing wow. providing any of the reading that I was supposed to do or CEUs, and I didn't want to be part of an organization that that it really was just about the recertification fee that standards weren't being maintained. Um, so I chose some place where those standards were maintained.
0: Very good. Integrity. It's important, isn't it? Yes. Um, All right. Well, uh, what would you like the community? What kind of advice would you have out there for the community about birth as a doula? About birth as a doula.
1: I would say it's always surprising to me um, that people believe that all OBs, all midwives are created equal. And they're not. Um, who you choose to attend your birth, who you choose to be your care provider matters. It matters a lot. Uh, so make that choice very carefully. I would say to, I mean another another piece that I would say um, is get a chopper of class early and get a chopper class outside of a hospital. Hospital classes are only permitted to teach you what every doctor who works at that hospital approves of. They're not allowed to teach you anything, even if it's evidence based that everybody who works at that hospital doesn't approve of. So um, getting getting a class outside of the hospital teaches you what all the possibilities are, what is negotiable, what isn't negotiable and how to negotiate um, as you walk through a system that provides typically cookie cutter births. If what you're wanting is not a cookie cutter birth. Learn about what the possibilities are. I know that most providers, uh, medical providers, tell moms to take their classes when they're around five or six months, which is too late. It's not. It's not too late. I've known people who've changed OBs on their due dates, and it's much more difficult the more pregnant you are. So getting that information right at the beginning when you're making all the hard decisions, who's going to be my doula, who's going to be my midwife, do I want a midwife, do I want an OB, which hospital do I want to go to, when you're making all those decisions, knowing the right questions to ask is important, and a class, a good class will teach you that.
0: Uh, Also, I think it's good to be able to have a doula that has some experience with the different hospitals in town, because that doula has seen this is what they do at this hospital. This is yes. what they don't do and can give you information that I don't know where else you could get that.
1: It's, it's a, uh, are an amazing resource about that kind of information. Yeah. I, it occurs to me that even hospitals could benefit from knowing that. I mean, I've worked in yes. 35 hospitals in the city. Um, I can tell you how, what the culture is like and you know, how staff is and, What are the what are the problems that little things that they could tweak that would make life better? Um, Yeah, I would say that's important as well.
0: Well, we have to brainstorm here a way that we could get that information to them, you know, (laughs) because they would benefit from it.
1: They would. And which is nice. But what's more important is that the families that they serve would benefit from it. You know, moms and babies would be taken care of um, more effectively or better.
0: Well, we're just about out of time. Any closing words? Yeah. You've oh, given us closing... a wealth of information here. Thank you. My, my closing words
1: would just be that I, I don't know anybody who's ever regretted getting a doula. Ask careful questions about who you're hiring. Um, ask for references um, and call them and talk to them about what, you know, what birth with this person was like. And then my only thing is thank you for having me, Pat.
0: You're amazing, and it's such an honor. Thanks. Thank you, Debbie. Thank you for everything that you've done for the Houston community, for birth, for the play, for Whole Mother Show. Thank you so much for what you do in your life. Thank you. Our community is is grateful to have you. We feel the same way about you. Thank you. (laughs) If you want to contact us, and we're always pleased to hear from you, our address is wholemothershow at gmail.com. If you want to hear today's show or years of previous shows, you can go to wholemothershow.com and hear lots and lots of really wonderful shows. If you want to contact me personally, please feel free to email me at birthcare at AOL.com. Thank you to our engineers, to EJ, to Edward, to Eric, for all your support and help to keep this show possible. Thank you out there for listening to Whole Mother. I'm Pat Jones, and this is KBFT Houston 90.1 FM.